Welcome back. I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm so glad you're here. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about living all for Jesus and what does that look like? And we've been, and I'm going to use that weird word again. We've been talking about the catechism. What is that kind of all, how does that all kind of line out? You know, what does that mean? It means the basics of living a life of discipleship, of being like Christ, those life commitments of connecting, growing, serving, sharing, and honoring God with our lifestyle. So today we're going to talk about worship, and and that's that life of honor. God has created you to love you and that you might love him in return, and that's through a life of worship or a life of honor. Now look at this. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, we're going to focus on this a little bit, but before we do, I want to talk to you about worship and how it's just so misunderstood and and, and what it's like. So recently, I was at a mega church. And I went to a night of worship. And basically what it was was a night of music. They played music and they sang. And uh, there wasn't any teaching of God's word. There wasn't any giving of our resources. There wasn't any kind of prolonged prayer. There was some obligatory prayers. That's really judgmental. So sorry about that. That's Canadian. Sorry, I don't really mean it. But just that whole kind of this night of worship. And I got to thinking, man, I really liked it. I mean, I liked the songs, I, they were tuned, the singers were on pitch, the guitars, were, the drums, were, everything was balanced, it was really, filled the room, it's really cool, and I was like, oh man, I just like this, and I realized, if this is a night of worship, it's not supposed to be about me and what I like, it's supposed to be about bringing honor and glory to God, and I guess we, could, we were doing that, but it felt really a lot about me, and what I realized is this, that we have regulated worship to be a compartmentalized expression of music. We've made music worship. Now, music is an awesome tool of expression of worship, that we sing to the Lord. We're the only creation, created thing that sings. Birds make noise. We call it singing. It's not. We sing, and we sing with intent. We sing with words. We sing with heartfelt emotion. We declare our praises to God. God inhabits the praises of his people. But that's just a component of worship. It's not worship. But we kind of bought into it. And we made sure that it's worship like I like it. Now, today, I was at a prayer event. And uh, this person came up to me and said, Pastor Scott, it would just be so great if you sang this Bill Gaither song, uh, The Church Triumphant. I went, I would rather have a stick poked in my eye than to sing a Bill Gaither song. No offense, Bill Gaither. But it's just, you know, I, I was a worship music guy. I See, I almost said it, a worship pastor. Really? I was a music guy in the 70s, and I kind of did those. And, and we'd sing a lot of Bill Gaither in the 70s, 80s, rather. It was kind of Bill Gaither. It's like, oh, I'm so burnt out on that. I don't ever want to sing that again. But then I realized it's about me. And it's about this song that this person was encapsulated in the time and a season of their life. It was very emotional. It's not about my preference. Now, I'm not saying that music doesn't matter. It does matter. 
But let's talk about some misconceptions about worship. Since you ask, and since I went on this rant, let's talk about some misconceptions. Here they are. It's not just about singing. There, I said it. It's not just about singing. Okay? We want to use the arts to touch the heart. It's a tool of worship, singing is. Uh, there's been a trend to offer different styles of musical forms or different gatherings to placate people when really all of music should be have the ability to be used to inspire, to motivate, and to praise God. God's not into a particular style. So it's a tool. Uh, we must look at our culture and say, okay, how do we connect with the culture musically that leads them to, to love Jesus more and realize that all music has a shelf life. I'm telling you, Bill Gaither's shelf life expired. The milk is ruined. Okay, there again, I'll get the emails. That's fine. But it's not about what I like. Everything has a shelf life. Now, there's some songs that, that extend beyond their shelf life. Some things that are kind of transcendent, as it were. But most stuff kind of comes and goes. Kind of comes and goes. And it does. And there's a difference between church culture and the greater culture. God loves all kinds of people, but if music is a tool to reach the culture, should my music match more of the culture than my church preference? There's no secular or sacred music. What? There's no secular? What? Yes. Music is music. It's words that make the difference. Tunes don't inherently have a beat. Wait a second, Pastor Scott, I grew up in the 60s. He said the drums were the devil's music. It's the devil's beat. It's going to bring the devil if we bring the drums. You know what that's called? Ignorant. Ignorant. It's not. Y'all, back in the Middle Ages, they wouldn't let you play a diminished fourth because the Catholic Church called it Diablo de Musica, or the devil in music, because it was a dissonant chord. They went, oh, oh the devil's in it, the devil's in it. It's just ignorance. It's ignorance. So it's, it's the words that matter. Sometimes we sing modern worship songs, contemporary worship songs. It's not like we're going to take Jesus to the prom. Hello, God ain't my girlfriend. What are we doing? I've, I've read some lyrics to songs and went, no, uh-uh, no, 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 no. We ain't going on a date with Jesus. Uh-uh. So it's all about words and what do they bring? What is the meaning? Worship is not just done in a building. We think, well, we have to gather together to worship God in a building. You find out you can do it online, haven't you? You can worship God online. Wow. You can worship God on the beach. Wow. You can worship God on a lake or in the shower or wherever. Really? Yeah. It's not just done in a building. Listen to this. He is God who made the world and everything in it since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in a man-made temples. Oh. Worship is not just about my wants and desires. When we're consumer-minded, we want what we want when we want it, and we loop play what we want to hear. And um, that's just not the way worship is. And my attitude about music becomes contagious that I can be negative and critical and become contagious. And I had somebody complained that we don't sing enough hymns. when We sang eight hymns in six weeks, and they didn't even recognize them as hymns because we didn't, you know, with the organ. 
What? Yeah. So it's not about my wants and desires. You see, the mark of maturity is measured by surrendering my preference to somebody else. A mature believer will accept the style that's not their preference in order to reach non-believers. Immaturity is revealed when I don't get my way and my preferences is not met. I've told the story before, I'll tell it again. My parents came to our church in Texas that we started and they heard our music and my mother was appalled. She said, Scott, this sounds like something you'd hear in a honky-tonk. And my dad looked around and said, I think about half of these people came out of the honky-tonk, Jane. And he said, son, you keep doing what you're doing to reach people for Jesus. That's what we were doing. We set aside our rights and privileges. Y'all, I'm a classically trained musician. I sing opera. Ain't nobody want to hear that. Just saying. The only person I want to hear is my mama. She's with Jesus. Just saying. Huh. Worship is about obedience. Worship without obedience is not worship. Worship is about obedience. What do you mean? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say, and my Father will love them, and he will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. And then in the Old Testament it says this, And what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission and your musical preference and the fat of rams. Added musical preference stuff. That's 1 Samuel 15, 22. So what is true worship? What is a life of honor? Connecting, growing, serving, sharing, honoring God. What does that look like? Well, let's talk about it. Romans 12, let's dig into it. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will finally find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you and a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, Paul, what Paul is doing here when he's writing this to the Romans, he's taking a shot at Greco-Roman worship styles. He says, listen, and he's taking a shot at Jewish ritualistic styles. It was all about the sacrifice, all about this. Paul said, no, 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 it's about you. In your heart, not the animal that we'll eat or the aroma that goes on or the, or the stuff the priest has going. It's about you and your heart. He pleads with you. This word plead literally is the same Greek word, parakletos, that means to come alongside you like the Holy Spirit does, to come and put his arm around you. Paul literally comes and puts his arm around you and said, hey, 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 let's get this right. It's not about all this. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. In the light of God's mercy, because God has been so merciful to you, your heart then is conformed to his image and you do what pleases him in a life of surrender. So whether it's singing in surrender, serving in surrender, connecting in surrender, giving in surrender, going in surrender, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All for Jesus. God has lavished his love on us. 
He's given us his redemption. He's filled us with the Spirit. He's empowered us for ministry. He sent us out on mission. Wow, give myself to God. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Paul says to the church in Rome. Listen to what he says to the church at Ephesus. All praise to God, the Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. I give my body to him because he's given his life for me. Now, why did Paul say, let your body be a living sacrifice? Because he was confronting a heresy of the day called Gnosticism. They believed that the flesh was evil, the spirit was good, the flesh could do whatever it wanted to, but the spirit remained pure and holy so you could be a person that was immoral and living in sexual sin and debauchery and deception because it's just the flesh and your spirit was fine. Paul's going, no, 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 no. We're, we're one. Your spirit and your body and your soul are one, are one. What are you doing? He was addressing this heresy. You know, we don't put up with that today. Wait, yeah, we do. Because we compartmentalize our life into what? Our church life and then the rest of our life. What we do in front of God's people and what we do in private. And we may not be Gnosticists, Gnostics in our practices, but we sure are in our philosophy. Or maybe I should say that reverse. That we're not Gnostics in our philosophies, but are in our practices. That's probably what I should have said. Huh. He was teaching, Paul was teaching, that all of my life is an act of worship, not just when I show up and I sing. A living sacrifice that my whole life, connected, growing, serving, and sharing, all for Jesus at an event, in a process, everything that I can be. So my true liturgy is my life. My true catechism is my commitments to him. That when my mind is transformed by the renewing of my mind, because he's come to live in me, my thoughts are shifted from about me to him, and then to him, then to do the good that needs to be done and share the love that needs sharing and meet the needs that, that are broken because I'm living a life of worship. I'm no longer conformed but I'm transformed to live in obedience and my inward devotion has developed into an outward discipleship. And I live all for Jesus. Wow. Wow. So worship then is not a gathering I attend, a song I sing. It's just a part of it. It's my whole life saying, Jesus, I'm yours. That is my act of worship. Because I am his and he is mine, then I live all for him. And I express that with my whole life. It's not about me, it's about him. So let me ask you the question. What do I need to do to surrender today? A few years ago, Tara and I had a chance to tour Rome. Uh, excuse me, we, we toured Rome, but that was this other time. We toured uh, Europe and studied the Reformation. And we went to Prague, that's where we landed, and we saw Johann Husk's church building. And Johann Husk was burned at the stake 
by the Catholic Church because he translated the Bible into the Bohemian language. What? They burned him at the stake. On the way to being burned alive, he turned to his his compadre with him. He said, we will light a flame that eternity will not extinguish. Okay? The Hussians, the people followed it, they called themselves the Hussians, they became under tremendous religious persecution, and they fled Bavaria, and they went up into eastern German, Germany, and they landed in a place called Herrenhut. And there they met a guy named Zinzendorf, who was a count, a duke. And, him, and Zinzendorf gave them a place to live. They were so persuaded to live all for Jesus, they started a movement called the Moravians. The Moravians were so devoted to living a life of worship. Get this. They started a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer movement that lasted 100 years. 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 100 years. If we're impressed, we can gather at the wall at noon on five days out of a week. Wow. The Moravians would sell themselves into slavery in order to win slaves to Christ, would go into a leper's colony in order to win lepers to Christ, would do whatever it took to live a life that honors God all for Jesus. That's a life of worship. I stood there in that very stark building that was built in the 1600s, realizing that I was standing on the shoulders of greatness of people who made worship not about their music, but about their lives. May we be those people, and it starts with you and your heart when you surrender to King Jesus. That's where it starts. That's where it starts with me. And then I sing, and then I pray, then I give, and I go, and I connect. And I serve, and I share the love of Jesus. Because Jesus is mine, and I am his. All for him. That is a life of worship. Honoring God. What do you need to do? Father, I thank you for the way you speak to us, the way you move us, the way you motivate us. And, oh, God, I pray that as we take inventory of our lives, as we looked over these last several weeks about connecting and growing and serving and sharing, that we will truly become to a place of a life of worship, of honoring you, saying, Jesus, I'm yours. It's all for you and all about you. Destroy the selfishness in our lives the compartmentalization of our lives, that we might live all for you. Oh, God, let us start with me. Let us start with those that are listening right now. Folks, right now, as you listen, maybe you need to pray and give your life to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I'm yours. You've never done it. You might have been a church folk or you might have churchianity, but you've never had Jesus why not today you give your life to Christ? Maybe you're listening for the first time. You've never heard anything like this. This has resonated with you. Won't you give your life to Christ? Let us know. Raise your hand. Go into a prayer room. Let us talk with you. Take your next step. 
Take advantage of the resources that our life might be lived all for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you're faithful and good. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I plead with you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just like Paul. And when you do, you'll live all for Jesus. Take your next step. Let us know how we can help you. Because we love you. We do this because we love you.